Thank you for listening to the Bible preaching ministry of Dr. Tim Pollock at the Home Church of Lodi, California. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. Our prayer is that this message from God's Word will renew your heart and mind today.
servant's heart. What if he asks his food? What, what do you do to help? One of the girls said, I have food. One of the boys said, I feed the boy. Another one said, I feed Every student in class said something, except for one little boy sitting in the back. The teacher looked at him. He was kind of quiet. She said, uh, what do you do to help out at home? He said, I stay out of the way. Yeah, staying out of the way. I know exactly how he felt. And sometimes that's the way I feel around here. When I see all these amazing people, they are doing so many wonderful things, the crafts, the cooking, the caring, the acting, the singing, the teaching as we saw. I discovered a long time ago, to me, it's really best if I just stay out of the way and then do what I do. Thank God that God has a place for everybody. He has a place for you. So I look forward to these next few minutes. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the message. Thank you for the wonderful things you've done. Lord, I love this Sunday. I just, I love to look back. And even though they're just numbers and piece of paper or whatever, but Lord, I know <laughs> what that represents. And I'm so grateful. Thank you for this time. I pray you be with us, Lord. We love you. Amen. Malachi chapter 3 is a tremendous passage. As you read through it, you will see that it's very clear God categorized people into two groups, two classifications. And I would agree after 40 plus years of ministry, that overall there seems to be two types of people. And in light of today's message, I'm going to call them winners and whiners. Now, are you a winner or are you a whiner in the Lord's way? That might sound a little rude for you to ask that question, but don't worry, you don't have to answer to me. You do, however, need to answer to yourself. And for sure, you and I will answer to God. Am I a winner or am I a whiner? We just so often, we need to take a step back, take stock of life and say, where am I and where are we headed here? Am I glorifying God or am I squandering my opportunities that are making excuses for me? Are you using your God-given talents? Are you saying, I'm willing to serve however I can? Are you winning God's approval or are you whining that God hasn't blessed you like others? A winner or a whiner? I do believe God wants us to evaluate ourselves in light of this wonderful year that's ahead of us because there is an open door in 2020. Now, last week, we looked at Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. Today, we're going to begin in verse 13. There are three important facts about the Lord's work I want to lay out to you. Number one, the attitudes of God's whiners. Among the chosen, there are those who enjoyed the privileges of God. They didn't appreciate what they had. It's a fact. Some people just become bad apples no matter what good or bad that it happens. Jesus said it this way. He said, in the same field, there's wheat that's worse than sometimes weeds. In the prophet's day here in Malachi, there were some people that were bellyaching. They were just tired. They were complaining. It was a communicable disease and spreading to others. And what were they whining about? Well, two things. Number one, they were whining the way that they issued bad grace. That's what they were doing. 
had bad words. Look at verse 13. Your words have been stealth against me, saith the Lord. Yet you say, why have we spoken so much against you? In the vernacular of the day, we would say that they were talking smack about the Lord, his laws, his commands, his ways. Notice it says their words were stealth. It just means stiff-necked, proud, arrogant. That's what it means, arrogant. And it wasn't like they were just keeping it on the inside. They were broadcasting it. Apparently, they didn't care who was hearing it. In fact, the more they said it, they figured, well, maybe everybody else will join us. There wasn't any harm in their actions. That's what they were saying. And that's what it says in this part of the verse. It says, yet you say, what have we spoken so much against you? Hey, what's the big deal? I mean, we're not really doing so many bad things, but they were unhumble. They were denying that, in fact, they were being misled. We should know this, folks. God keeps an account of everything we say, and that's what this is about here. God said, here's what you've been doing. You've been talking about serving the Lord in a negative way. God keeps a record. An atheist farmer often ridiculed people who believed in God. In fact, he even wrote the editor of a local newspaper. And here's what he wrote. I plowed on Sunday. I planted on Sunday. I cultivated on Sunday and hauled in my crops on Sunday. And I never once asked for church on Sunday. And yet I harvested more bushels per acre than anybody else in the county. Even those who are so-called God-fearing people that never miss a church. The local editor of the newspaper printed the man's letter and then added a very poignant remark. He said, sir, God doesn't always settle his account with my prayers. Very true. He doesn't. But my friends, you need to know he does settle his account. Why were they whining? Well, they were belly aching about this and that. First of all, with their words. Second of all, with bad works. Not only bad words, but bad works. They were moaning. They were carping. They were whining. All they had to do for God. All the money they had to give. All the time it was taking. Verse 14. You have said it is vain to serve God. Don't you like it when a preacher stands up and says, we're just wrong. Glad the men of God and women of God around here to tell the truth. You have said it's vain to serve God. What profit is it that we accept this ordinance? He'd been giving them in their pea brains. They were thinking they were never the better. In fact, in verse 10, they were all complaining about having to give tithes and offerings. And we have people like that today. It amazes me, really. I mean, they'll plop down $3,000 for a Disneyland vacation, $2,000 on a Super Bowl shindig, thousands and thousands of dollars to go to a Taylor Swift concert. But I'm telling you, let a preacher remind them of giving 10% to the Lord's work. They have a chorus. It's crazy. Whiners, supposedly, in their mind, they weren't getting anything according to their faith. You have eternal life. And that's nothing? Well, that wasn't pendulum pulling up for these touchy-feely people. In fact, they falsely said, frankly, frankly, it seems like the people who are wicked are having more fun 
Look what it says in verse 15. Who will prosper? He called the proud happy. And yea, they that work wickedness are set up. We're looking around us and we're giving tithes and offerings and not, nothing's good's happening to us. But look at the wicked, they're all set up. And yea, they that tempt God are even delivered. He said, it doesn't seem like it pays to serve God. I mean, look at all the evil people and the way they live and all the benefits they have. I'm just tired of it. Friend, I say again, God doesn't always settle his accounts. Not totally. Wait a little while and you'll see. Fear of missing out? No. As someone told me this week, and I appreciate what they gave me, they said, it's not FOMO, it's Jonah. Fear of missing out? No. That day when Jesus comes, it'll be joy of missing out. FOMO. Attitudes of God winners. Now, what are the attributes of God winners? Verse 16. What are the attributes of a winner to God? Verse 16, they that fear the Lord spake often to one another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance, underline that phrase, a book of remembrance was written before him of them that feared the Lord and sought after his name. Now God always has his people. They may be a remnant, but they're his people. Some have called them the master's minority. Others have called them the faithful few, the woke around us, the woke joke. They call them Bible thumpers or right-wing religious extremists, but not God. He said, those are the kind of people that I write down in my book. It's a book of remembrance, those that are serious about their faith. And there were three attributes of these winners. Number one, they feared the Lord, it says. It says they feared the Lord. Now, you need to know something. The God's angels are constantly writing down what we're doing, what we're saying, our attitudes. Now, God has several books in, inscribed in them already. Daniel chapter 7, verse number 10, it says the judgment is set and the books are set. Revelation chapter 20, verse 12, it says the saints are. Now, there are three books in heaven. Let me give them to you. Number one, there is the book of life. Book of Life. Every person not only is born, but really more importantly, is born again. They have eternal life. How do they get eternal life? They repented of their sin. They accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. John, in the book of Revelation, talks about the book of life. John said in Revelation 3 and verse 5, it will not blot his name out of the book of life. Then there is the book of works. Paul talked about this. It's a book that's opened at the judgment seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 10. Every deed, good or bad, done by God's people are recorded. And then there is a third book, a book that's often not thought of or remembered, and it is the book of remembrance. It's what the book here in the book of Malachi. Now, though we're not given any actual detailed specifics, it appears to be a book that is especially records the, the attitudes and the deeds of people that especially love God. You might say this is God's good advice. He loves us. These are his special people. It says, they that feared the Lord. Did you know that there's no greater mark of good character than our fear of God? No greater mark of bad character than we don't fear God. Now, we're not talking about being afraid of God. In fact, 
actually the opposite. It is not being a dread of God, but loving to be in his presence. It's an awe and a reverence to God. You know, you don't hear that term much anymore about fearing God. I'm afraid if we're not careful, the next generation is going to miss this important characteristic of God. I remember several years ago now, I watched an animated version for a little bit of C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And if you've seen that, then you've been like immediately shocking by it. But in that story, C.S. Lewis, a great English, brilliant poet and short story writer, chose a lion to represent Jesus as Aslan. In the children's story, the children felt very comfortable to run their fingers through the lion's mane and they could ride on his back. But his roar was scary enough to make them fearful. One of the children asked, listen, is Aslan safe? And the thoughtful answer was this, no, he's not safe, but he is My friend, our God is a God of love and grace. But I think sometimes we need to hear him roar to realize that he is a holy God. And we need to fear that God. So they, we fear God. That is an attribute of a winner. Not only did they fear God, but the last part of verse 16, they thought about the Lord. They that thought upon his name. Those that thought upon his name, that word thinking upon the name of God means to esteem it. Same word found in Isaiah 53, that famous chapter in Isaiah. We did esteem it, exact same word. To think means to esteem. And God is totally worth our esteem and our time and our effort. Think upon his name. Did you know there are over 300 names and titles given of God in Scripture? In fact, if you add titles, you could, it's almost infinite. Over a thousand that he gave us. A thousand, three hundred names and titles of God at least given in the scripture. Why? So that we would praise him. So that we would sing him. So that we would believe and accept him. Proverbs 18 verse 10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. If you're righteous, you will run to it. And you'll be safe. God's name is a strong tower. There's power, protection, righteousness, safe there. There's also perspective. When you get up in a tower, you see things better. And when you realize that God is Almighty God, that just gives you perspective. It doesn't make any difference what's going on in this world. It grieves our heart. But God is Almighty. You can get a list of those names in several places. Online, but the fact of the matter is, however you get it, get it and pray it. Why don't you take a different name each week and just say, I'm going to sing about this name. I'm going to honor the name of Jesus. Maybe if you're a good artist, take a and draw that name and maybe something that characterizes it. Fearing the Lord, thinking about the Lord and his name, and then they spoke of the Lord. Number three, they spoke of the Lord. They spoke often to one another. Now, some people think that means to speak often. There are some who seem to excel at that, that we speak often. But often, those that speak that way probably shouldn't speak often. Two men were talking at a coffee one day. One said, I'm concerned about my wife. She talks to herself a lot too much. 
the other said, I'm just cool. But she doesn't know it. She thinks I'm listening. People sometimes talk a lot, but here these people talked about the Lord. I'm talking about gathering and talking about how good the Lord is. Not on Zoom or Room or whatever. I'm talking about talking, gathering and talking about the Lord. And I know Zuckerberg and his meta is all excited about some avatar, but I don't want to be talking no stinking avatar. Give me a person. I want to talk to them. Well-known New Testament verse, probably, excuse me, Hebrews 10 and verse 25 says, don't forsake the assembling or gathering of the Lord. Notice in that verse it says, why? So you can exhort one another. Did you know that all over the world right now the people are doing just that? They have been and they will be. They simply gather to exhort one another. So when you walk in and you walk out so quickly and you never talk to anybody, remember, part of our job is to exhort one another. Not complain about this and that. Although I guess a little bit of pleasant complaining about the world conditions is good in season. But let's make sure that we always know that we are positive about what God is going to do. Exhorting each other. Did you know that on this campus, and as I drove in here this morning early and said, hey, can I meet the Lord? I just drove around for a few moments and I remember 20 plus years ago when it was weeds. Just a bunch of weeds. Look, God is doing the highest and best use. 20 plus years ago, the county said, we want the highest and best use for that 12 acres. Well, I can tell you that's exactly what has happened. The highest and best use has happened. Oh, how wonderful to be part of this family of God where we exhort one another. Have you ever thought about the fact, the uniqueness of a church? You know, there's nothing like it. In sports, you gather together based on desires or abilities. In school, you probably gather together based on age. In You go to some club that's something you desire to do. But churches, there's really nothing other than the fact that we all love Jesus Christ and the Word of God. All ages, all groups, all nationalities, it makes no difference. In fact, no matter where you go in the world, do you realize you have this amazing family? One of the great things about getting a chance to travel overseas is when you go to some church, and I hope you do, I hope you don't just jump on a cruise ship and never go to church. Get someplace and go to church. Get you with God's people and sing with them. When you hear them start singing in their language, I I just try to keep from weeping. You won't be able to do it. <laughs> You're going to be sitting there thinking, this is what heaven is like. I still remember Brother Joel and Matt Beck were there in his wonderful church and Kev, and they were all singing in Russian or some were singing in Ukrainian. Kids didn't know what they were singing there. And then this uh, wonderful translator was singing in my ear while he was singing in English. Uh, this, this song we were singing, I was just singing right with him. I, I'll never forget that. I was sitting there weeping. This is what heaven is like because we speak to one another and we sing with each other. That's one of the greatest things about being together in a church is you get this great big family of people you love. Have you ever thought about the fact that if it wasn't for Jesus, we probably wouldn't know each other. I wouldn't get to know you, and I love you. Some of you I don't even hardly know but a bit, or maybe they'll even know. But I still love you. I love people. 
I love God's peace. And it's Jesus that put that inside of me. And no matter where you go in this world, just that you meet people that love him and that speak his name, it's amazing. In fact, here's what Jesus said. He said, you don't have to be talking about Satan. You don't have to be doing anything. He said, if you even get a, give a cup of cold water in my name, just give a cup of water. He said, you are doing it for Jesus himself. You know, not long ago, a few weeks ago, a Boeing airplane took off and a door came open. I mean, it was crazy. Of course, Boeing stock went down. I mean, it was crazy. But now think about that. In the scope of everything, it was a small job to check the latch, the seal, the bolts on the exterior. But look at the consequence because it was overlooked. Now, when you and I get on an airplane, what is our first thought? I want to make sure that the pilot knows what he's doing. I mean, he knows what he's doing. I want to hope that the attendants are good attendants. But have you ever thought of the fact that my life is just as much in the hands of someone who checks the cargo deck? I mean, maybe we don't have the training of a pilot, but that small job makes all the difference in the world. Now, here's my illustration. People come to church and say, well, I sure hope the pastor's here. I sure hope he brings it today. Well, I hope so, too. I hope the musicians are good and the worship is good. Amen. But all over this campus, there are door checkers. There are bolt checkers. There are latch checkers. There are people that have done so much work, the maintenance people, the custodians, the technicians, people straightening things up, the security I'm glad you know the pastor's here and you know the pastor, but trust me, folks, it is God who blesses all these people, the latch checkers, these people who speak the name of God. Over here in the nursery right now, somebody's changing a diaper. Thank God they're doing it in there and not in here. Amen. Praise God. It pays to serve Jesus. It pays every day. See if I can finish this in the next few minutes. Finally, the attainment of God's will. Chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, all the wonderful things we've already looked at. This has to be the sweetest one. And they shall be mine. God said, I wrote their name down, say the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my Jesus, I will spare them as a man that spareth his own son, thou sparest me. Now, God's people are called by many names in the Bible, saints, children, sons and daughters, servants, stewards, Friends, but none is sweeter than this one. King James says Jesus. Some translations say peculiar treasure. It's the Hebrew word pagula. It means valued property. What does a person do with their jewels? They enjoy them. We have these wonderful young adults around here. They get married and they give a beautiful ring to their beloved that ring just sparkles. The face of the young lady sparkles. And there was one of our young, sweet ladies that had, every day she did her nails because she was hopeful that she'd get the question pop that day. And if she did, she wanted to make sure the pictures looked good. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, those rocks are special. Those diamonds, that's what God says. You are to me. You are my jewels. God says, I will spare them. Man spares his own son that spares him. God says, when I come, I'm going to 
you're one of my jewels. We were in San Antonio a few weeks back, and my daughter Rachel and Matt were there, and took the children. Ellie, I think she's eight or nine, and her music lessons have been she is full of vinegar. probably don't know this but when you were a little toddler I was your favorite child you were my best friend she looked at me and she said papa you're still my best friend <laughs> that's a jewel right there my friends that's what we are to God verse 18 then you shall discern and discern between the righteous and the wicked because him that serveth God and serveth him not I wish I had time to read to you, or I had planned to read 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 18. My friend, you remember in that passage, it says that the Lord is coming with a shout and he's going to take his best friend, his jewels. But I do want to share one verse with you because I love it. I love the phrase. Acts chapter 1, verse 11. The angel looked at those disciples after Jesus had left and he said, which said also, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up, gazing up to heaven? By the way, we have too many people just sit standing around gazing. Standing around gazing. <laughs> this same Jesus, this same Jesus who is taken up into heaven, so shall come in like clouds. This same this same Jesus <coughs> who walked on water. This same Jesus who fed the 5,000. This same Jesus who was born of a virgin. This same Jesus who lived a perfect life. This same Jesus who died on a cross. He didn't swoon. He didn't become unconscious. He died on a cross. This same Jesus rose again and he's coming back literally and visibly and boldly this same Jesus and the Bible says he's coming with a shout a shout and that shout will reverberate through the tombs of those who know him multiplied millions of jewels his best friends he's going to say come forth they're going to come out of that grave and death will die and the king of life will say come forth now, what do you want to be? Do you want to be a whiner or a winner? Do you want to be one of those who always complain? Oh, I have to give so much. Oh, I have to pray so much. Oh, I have to spend so much time reading the Bible. Oh, I don't get to do what everybody else gets to do. A whiner or a winner serving God. Folks, we, when Jesus comes, David's going to rise and Moses is going to rise and Peter is going to rise. And Noah's going to rise, and I'm going to rise too, and I'm going to see Jesus. And you know what they're going to be talking about? They're going to be talking about Jesus. My loved ones who've gone before, they're going to be talking about Jesus. We're all going to be talking. We're going to be singing all hail the name, Jesus' name. Let angels shout praise to God. This same Jesus. Think about the hundreds. No, Thousands of people over these years that have accepted Christ, prayed the sinner's prayer, 
You say, were all of them sincere? I'm sure probably they weren't, but I guarantee thousands were. And someday in heaven, we're all going to be there singing praise, and they're going to say, Pastor, thank you. They're going to say to a Sunday school teacher, thank you. They're going to say to the worship team, thank you. They're going to say to the custodian, thank you for caring enough to make a clean place. Oh, yes. Will it be worth it? It will be worth it. We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at The Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.